We got a weird one for you today. It's about how greenhouse gas emissions are plummeting, and that's actually somehow bad for climate change. Stay tuned. All will be explained. Hello, you're listening to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So you may have seen or heard a lot of journalists, including myself on this very podcast, talk about how the sudden drop in economic activity due to the pandemic has actually had a positive effect on the environment. For example, fewer daily commuters on the highway means less greenhouse gases coming out of tailpipes. So this would seem like a small silver lining in an otherwise horrendously awful situation, except it's not, or at least not in the state of California. In one of the Supreme ironies of the pandemic, the Golden State may actually be a victim of its own aggressive climate change regulations. That's because one of the main ways California regulates climate change is through a so-called cap-and-trade system for greenhouse gases. We'll get into this a lot in just a second, but basically what the state does is it sets a cap on the amount of greenhouse gases you can emit, and then it forces emitters to buy permits, essentially, that offset their overages. If that sounds complicated, that's because it is... But the main problem is that it was designed assuming that there would always be companies that would exceed the cap and thus there would always be overages to be traded. Well, not anymore. David R. Baker, a Bloomberg News Energy reporter based in San Francisco, has been reporting on California's cap and trade system, and he says some really weird things have been happening with it the past few months. David joins us to explain how the system works and what's going wrong. Cap and trade is one of the central programs to the way California fights climate change. Uh, it's not the only one by a long shot, but it's one of the biggest and I think easily the most complex. And essentially it is a system that sets up a kind of market for the right to put carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. It's very, very complicated the way the state created it, but the principle is simple enough. For every ton of greenhouse gases that a company wants to emit, they have to buy a permit called an allowance. An allowance, okay. The number of allowances that are available in any given year matches the cap, that sort of uh, top, that the ceiling that the state has set on emissions. That cap goes down bit by bit, year by year, so the state allows fewer emissions every single year. And if you're out there um, emitting greenhouse gases, you still have to pay for each ton that you put out there. So it'll get a little bit harder and a little bit more expensive year by year. Also, the state sets a, a floor price for these allowances. So that price is guaranteed to go up bit by bit as the system goes along. So you're right, it is pretty complicated, but it actually sounds kind of clever. It's sort of an interesting way to bring in market forces to kind of regulate carbon emissions. So who are the people who are buying these allowances, the ones who are going over their caps and need to essentially pay to be able to put more carbon into the atmosphere? Yeah, the, the people, the companies who are buying the allowances, a lot of them are ones that you would expect. So we have uh, an oil industry here in the state, a big one, with a lot of oil refineries. So those refineries and the companies that own them, like Chevron and Tesoro, are out there in every, every year buying up these allowances. Um, people who operate power plants are in there buying allowances. But you also see entities in there that are purely financial. So J.P. Morgan 
is always in there buying allowances. Big banks. What are what are they what are they doing with these allowances? It's an investment. You know that there are people out there who are going to need to buy these at some point or another, and you also know if you're a bank that the price of these things is going to go up bit by bit, no matter what. So if you've got if you've got the ability to buy them and hold them for a bit, you know you can actually make money. That's wild. So this is almost, it's like they've created a, a, a thing of value and that thing of value is going to go up and now you have investors who are interested in, in buying it. That's that's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, essentially the, the state has created a market for carbon emissions. Like there's a market for corn or soy or, or copper. Um, and let's get into what's happening right now. Uh, it sounds like that market is failing or it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So what's going on? Is this, are these allowances now worthless? Like what, what's happening with this market that the, that the state of California created? Well, the market has been hit by the pandem- pandemic lockdown, like just about everything else, because suddenly nobody was driving to work. Sales of gasoline fell off a cliff. All the factories closed, all the offices closed down. And the economy was putting out far less carbon emissions than anyone expected. We don't know exactly how much less, but I know the oil refineries in the state were processing like a third less oil than they normally do. So it's a pretty big hit. And suddenly all these companies that needed to be in this market buying permits for their greenhouse gas emissions didn't have as many emissions that they had to cover. So they didn't have to buy as much. And you first saw a big drop in prices on the secondary market for these allowances. And this is the market where you have the investors buying and trading the the, the allowances. There was like a three-day period where it absolutely crashed. But then it started coming back up again. Um, The main thing that we just saw this, this past month is these allowances get sold off by the state in quarterly auctions. And... The auction that was held this past month just tanked. The amount of money that the state got out of it is just a tiny fraction of what they usually do. It's, I think they got about 6% of the revenue that they got from the previous auction. It went from, I think, $613 million in revenue to the state in February to $25 million in May. So, yeah, it was a big hit. We're going to take a quick break for a moment, but when we come back, we're going to dig into the irony of this whole situation and talk about the impact this could have on California's budget. Stay with us. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome back. We are talking to Bloomberg News' David R. Baker from his home in San Francisco, California. He says, it's not just investment banks that are taking a bath here on these carbon allowances. The state itself is going to get hurt big time by this sudden shift. When the governor uh, in mid-May put out his revised budget showing just how badly he thought everything was going to get hit by the pandemic shutdown, 
he was quite explicit about that. There's a section of the budget that says we know we're going to get much less money out of this source for the rest of the year. So we're going to prioritize things. There's only a handful of the programs that we would normally fund that we're going to fund now. They winnowed it down to four high priority items. Usually there's a couple of dozen of programs that this thing constantly feeds money into. What are, what are some examples of things that, that aren't going to be funded this year? I didn't see any mention of the clean vehicle rebate. So I think that may be wow. running on fumes as it were. Um, and just to, just to, to clarify, that's a, a rebate that the state gives you if you buy a, let's say an electric car. So that's money that you, if you're, you know, that won't incentivize people to, to purchase, uh, you know, uh, electric cars and things like that. Exactly. There's a, a state rebate for buying an electric car. There's a state rebate for uh, hydrogen fuel cell cars, too. Um, and that's been a pretty good incentive over the last 10 years. It's one of the reasons why we're the biggest electric vehicle market in the U.S. by a long shot. Um, but, yeah, suddenly this this source of funding is getting seriously squeezed. This is I, one of the reasons why I really uh, I love the story that you wrote on this is because it's so ironic. Like you have a huge drop in the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that are going into the atmosphere and yet that makes it somehow harder for the state to regulate climate change. I mean, is do you think that based on that, this is like a fundamental flaw in the, the way the state has gone about this? Or is this just really a blip and, you know, once things go back to normal, the, the, the state's plan, this cap and trade program will, you know, begin working the way it was supposed to? I think it's I think it's too painful to call a blip, but I do think it'll be a temporary thing. Um, none of the people I've talked to who actually you know follow this market day to day are worried that it's collapsing uh, or that it's somehow failing. And the state is extremely committed to making sure it runs. And when they set it up, they created so many rules about how the market operates that it's it's just maddening to wrap your brain around them. But some of those rules are actually designed for situations like this. They have a mechanism for basically removing any allowances that don't get sold. They can pull those out of the market so that they don't flood things for years to come. So I do think as the economy reopens, you'll start to see the revenue in this system coming back up again. But yeah, it's it's incredibly ironic. I mean, the the drop in emissions that we've had over the last couple of months is what environmental community dreams of. They would love to see that, but instead, because of why it happened, yes, it's throwing a big monkey wrench into the, the tools that we usually use to, to lower emissions. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Have any thoughts about what you just heard or really about anything else? Hit us up on Twitter. We use the handle at environment. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Surf Queen by Leighton Cordell. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening. Taxes and accounting are complicated, but finding a good tax podcast shouldn't be. I'm Siri Belusu, and I'm Amanda Icone. Listen to Talking Tax, the podcast that breaks down all of these issues on a weekly basis. Every Thursday, Talking Tax will explain the latest issues for you, from what Congress is working on to legal rulings 
to the global digital tax debate. Download and subscribe to Talking Tax wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.